This week on A Lively Experiment. Our work won't be done until every single Rhode Islander has a shot at getting a good job. Until every single one of our kids has a chance to go to an excellent public school. And until nobody who works full time lives in poverty. Governor Raimondo has big ideas that come with a big price tag. And legalizing marijuana in Rhode Island, we sit down with Attorney General Peter Narona. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us this week, Republican strategist Lisa Pelosi, attorney and legal analyst Lou Polner, and political analyst for the Public's Radio, Scott McKay. Hello, everyone. I'm Jim Hummel. We appreciate you spending part of your weekend with us. This time last year, Rhode Island's budget was $9.2 billion. By the end of this year's General Assembly session, it will be nudging $10 billion. If Governor Raimondo can convince legislative leaders to adopt her spending plan introduced on Thursday. We all know the budget will look much different when it is passed in June or July than it is now. But what will stay and what will go? A lot of questions to answer, but that figure, $10 billion, it's a lot of money. Yeah, for a very small state, you know, for us to be spending that much money. I think we were all hearing about the structural deficit going into this week, that she would need to fill $160 million. Not only did she fill that, it get glossed she, right over, she spent right? so much more. So when I was on the show last and we were talking right after her re-election, how she's going to use this political capital? She just came off of a strong re-election. And I wanted her to go after the deficit and go after education. And on both fronts this week, she failed. I think what what strikes me is that they always say there are no broad-based taxes, but there's a lot of nickeling and diming that adds up to dollars and a lot of dollars, right, Lou? Oh, there's no question. Uh, the fact that we have a $10 billion budget, to me, is astounding. Uh, a couple of years ago, New Hampshire's budget was about $5.8 billion, and now it's supposed to be approximately $7.5 billion tops. And they don't pay income tax in the state of New Hampshire. How can the state of New Hampshire function so beautifully with no state tax at $7 billion and we're sitting here at $10 billion? And you're right, the nickel and diming, uh, hunting, trapping, and shooting ranges are going to be taxed. Interior decorators are going to be taxed. Uh, raising the hotel tax, that's really nice. Uh, from 5% to 6%, that's a big warm welcome to conventions all over the country, all over the world. Uh, and the nickel and diming just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, I, 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 it's unfathomable. I'm not surprised. I mean, look, two-thirds of this budget's federal money, number one. Number two, uh, health care costs, and this is a problem. Health care costs are driving a lot of this, the increase in poor folks' health care. Uh, there is some mandates in here, finally, that go after big companies, like Massachusetts does, uh, that don't provide health care for their workers. They're going to have to pay into a fund. Uh, as Governor Baker up in Massachusetts has proposed, 70% of the budget is in either education or social service health care. And you know what? There's another 20% basically in employee. You have to pay the employee's salaries and what I call the janitorial functions of state government, keeping the lights on, keeping everything running, plowing the snow. So, so this budget is going to look 
pretty close, every budget. What the legislature does is tinker around the edges. Are you saying you're okay with a $10 billion budget? I don't see. If you think it's wrong, where would you cut? Well, how about how about free tuition at yeah. URI and, and, Rick? and Rick? Okay, well, right now what's happening is, look, CCRI is giving free tuition. That program is... Just been started. I think it'll take a couple of years to evaluate. Do you philosophically this is a, agree with that? You think? Yes, they should I think be it's getting? a great idea, and I think it's a great idea because I look back at the GI Bill. Uh, I went to a state university uh, as a young fella, and I think Lisa did also. And you know what? We didn't come out of school in our era with a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. But that was the GI Bill. You had to serve your country to benefit from the GI Bill. Yeah, but why wait a should every Tom, Dick, and Harry, whose parents have maybe two jobs and a lot of income, why should they be getting free tuition at the state universities? Tell me. Well, because we have an undereducated workforce compared no. to other states, we need to invest in education, and we need to have our state universities. Look, the problem now is that the CCRA program is hurting Rhode Island College. And these kids are going to have skin in the game. It's two years. You have to keep your grades up. One of the reasons kids drop out, and I agree with the governor on this, is that they're working a job or two already, and they can't afford it. So I don't think there's <laughs> anything wrong with uh, investing in, in children, particularly Rick, because those kids, it isn't Brown or PC, the regional national universities. These kids at Rick tend to stay in Rhode Island. So you're a socialist. <laughs> no. We could do no. a whole show, I know, on CCRI, but go ahead. Well, because the program is flawed. It's been flawed since the beginning. We are looking at the cohort that um, started a couple years ago, and less than half of them who have enrolled are on track to enroll on time. There is no provision. We talked about means testing, so anybody can and, uh, qualify for the free tuition. And now with Rhode Island College, Rhode Island taxpayers are going to be paying for a full four-year tuition. No, it's two years. Actually. Well, The last two. CCRI, and then if this goes through, the last two years of Rhode Island College, and there's no provision that you have to stay in Rhode none, Island. None whatsoever. So we're going to pay for somebody to get a full college tuition, and then we can say goodbye. Yeah, that, that's hugely flawed. You, kept, you just said a moment ago, we need to have educated people coming out of our colleges in this state to be able to fill. There's no requirement they stay here after they don't, get the Don't you think, years. though, it's a don't little, it's a little galling for some people to have to pay more to get into the state beaches, potentially into the state parks. Yeah. They get another dollar when they re-up you know, re their uh, car at the DMV. And then they're looking at the, the social programs yeah. when nobody says maybe we need to rein it in a little bit. Okay, look what they, they are doing also. And this is, I know, one of Nick Mattiello's big things. The state is actually phasing out the car tax. You shouldn't have had one in the first place. I understand that, but the fact that you do means that if you want to cut taxes, this is a real tax cut that everybody in the state sees. And we all know that's a nettlesome tax. It's unfair. Different communities have vastly different rates of taxing cars. And so getting but rid of But the governor that, seemed to have poked him in the eye by saying, yeah. I, I don't want to give you, this is your signature plan. <laughs> for this year alone, I need a little bit more money for my program here. It'll eventually phase out in 2023 when none of us are going to be here. And I think that, that does not send a good message to legislative leaders who ultimately hold the cards. Well, you know, the budget is about priorities. So this is the governor's priorities, and she put them forward. Now we will see the House priorities, and I am absolutely confident that the car tax will be fully funded this year when the budget is said and done in no June. No doubt about it. 
Austin, all of this is education, and I know the governor said she was going to put another $30 million, but many people have, well, some people have said, is just throwing money at it going to solve it? I mean, we saw the RICAS scores, there's been a lot of bemoaning about that, and I wonder whether the whole structural change that needs to be done. And that, and that was what was missing. What we're looking at, we're looking at what she wants to do with four-year-olds and then what she wants to do with people who are college age. What happened to the middle? You know, what, what are we doing to address the issue in the middle? That was totally glossed over. And well, we actually, haven't... it wasn't. It wasn't. What she said was, and this is crazy now, because we're just going to, everything we do now is like Massachusetts. We have to ape whatever Massachusetts does. And she did talk about adopting <clears throat> a system, setting up a statewide curricula, doing it the way Massachusetts has done it since 1993, and putting together the data and stop doing this on anecdotal stuff. Rhode Islanders love to do this. Oh, I know a guy, this this happened to so-and-so, and this. they don't have the data-driven kind of research that we need to do to, to address these kids and find out exactly why communities with similar demographics in Massachusetts are so much different in student achievement, so much higher, than we have in Rhode Island. I'd like to but see you know, a real Scott, look at that. She can say what she said. But there was nothing specific about what are we doing exactly on curriculum? What are we doing exactly on teachers? It was totally glossed over. Because well, we're going to have a new uh, education commissioner, and he or she's going to have to figure <coughs> that out. Every few years we get a new education commissioner. You're right. And nothing ever changes. Right. Well, the so- results, the tests, the students. They're all failing miserably. You know, the other thing I wonder, in a ten, and the governor had said a $10 billion budget, this is just a small investment, because obviously on a $10 billion budget, certain programs are. I have never heard once, you and I have been here, what, 35 years in this market? Don't nobody, remind me. Nobody has ever said, how about $50 million in a savings account? How about $75 million? Because as I read all of the analysis, is the structural deficit's not going away. So how about instead of expanding during the good times, the seven years of feast, the seven years of famine, the famine's eventually going to come, right? Yeah. yeah we, not for the legislature, though. They've we got their cash muddle through. There are very few governors who have the foresight to really say, when I leave, I'm going to watch out for things. A good example is Jerry Brown in California who left a very sizable surplus so that when he left, even if a recession came along, there would be a cushion there. And Rhode Island hasn't been good. Again, we muddle through. We tend not to look five or six or seven years down the road. We tend to take the revenues and patch it and backfill it and use some accounting gimmicks and and get through. Again, we muddle through year after year, and that is a problem. Do you want the final word on this? No. <laughs> I, 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 you know, part she had a lot to say in the budget about the uh, health insurance and Medicaid and what have you, but she's also uh, indicating that she wants uh, to impose a mandatory uh, imposition of uh, on individuals and like the, uh, the Affordable Care Act, like yeah, Massachusetts. But, but the federal court struck down that very provision. That's going to that, end up in the Supreme Court. Of I guess, penalizing so. for imposing an man, individual mandate. Uh, so she proposes this. Well, doesn't she understand that the federal court said no? That's but you not also apply? wonder what message. I understand Massachusetts done it has done it. But Scott, we have corporations like CVS and Citizens and Textron. And what message does that send to them? It gets even more expensive in Rhode Island. I don't is that, think is that what is that the battle you want to choose? Those companies aren't the ones you should be concerned about. 
because they, for You're the not most, concerned about CBS leaving the state? They're not going to. Wait a minute. I'm talking about this benefit idea. Hasbro? It's the big box stores that are the problem. It's the Walmarts, the McDonald's. It's the national chains. Uh, somewhere like Textron, it's their headquarters. They're giving people decent benefits. And CVS is also. I think if you look at this, you have to understand, this is a Republican idea, don't forget. You know where the individual mandate comes from, Lisa Pelosi. <laughs> well, it comes from Mitt Romney. John Chafee. Oh, originally. that's right, even going back, that's right. John Chafee. Yeah. You then, remember John Chafee. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Romney picked it up uh, because Ted Kennedy was for it, and they worked together on that deal, which unfortunately... Republicans and Democrats don't do that anymore. But they hired Christine Ferguson uh, as the health commissioner in Massachusetts, and she took the individual mandate idea from John Chafee right. and sold You're it right. to Mitt Romney. And that's how this thing evolved. All right. What, got, what was big news at the beginning of the week kind of got lost in the state of the state and the budget. The governor is proposing legalizing marijuana in Rhode Island. And, of course, this is following Massachusetts. So we sat down, our senior producer, Kim Keogh, sat down with Peter Narona on this set this week to talk about some of his concerns as the new attorney general. He said, first of all, he is concerned about children getting access to it. And if it goes through having enough resources to deal with the fallout, here's his third concern that he talked about in the interview. My principal concern, again, as Attorney General, is making sure that if we go down this road, that we're able to identify people who are operating a motor vehicle or any other piece of equipment under the, under the influence. One thing I was reminded of when I came back into this, into this office was, as I got briefed by the criminal division, how many significant driving under the influence cases we have. We shouldn't be doing it differently in Massachusetts than we are in Rhode Island. And so I, th I think all of us would benefit from a, a federal government, a Department of Justice, that sent a clear message about this issue. So, for example, former Attorney General Sessions was adamantly opposed uh, to marijuana uh, legalization for adult recreational use or, I think, possibly for medical use. And yet he, he signaled to U.S. attorneys that you do it the way you think is best in your particular district. I think that's a mistake. I think that, that causes confusion. So I think the federal government ought to send a clear signal here. I, I think in a sense um, they've been hands off. I'm not really sure why that is given some of the rhetoric that comes out of Washington. But certainly uh, clarification there I think is really important. You may remember when Peter Nerona was U.S. attorney, he warned when the uh, me medical marijuana got put off briefly because of mixed signals from Washington, because technically it is illegal from the federal point of view, and then that all, all opened up. But you remember that, that they had to back off during the Chafee administration, and then Obama kind of backed off on it. But what the feds are going to do is very interesting. Lou, from a legal perspective? From a legal perspective, uh, I don't think it really matters what the uh, Department of Justice, the U.S. attorney, uh, has to say, because as you point out, it's against federal law. So really, uh, this really has to go to the Congress, and Congress has to change the law in order for it to be what the uh, Attorney General wants, which is a clear message and setting a parameter, not just state by state, but nationwide. And you've got, you got to remember that it's the federal government that has cl uh, classified marijuana as a Schedule I drug. So until that changes, that's why you know, we need to have that change. But here's my, my thought on this. We keep talking about how Rhode Island keeps going and looking at Massachusetts. Why can't we be the outlier and just say no 
to the legalization of marijuana. I understand, you know, there's been this talk about inevitability, and it's only 20 miles to go over across the border, but if it's legal in Rhode Island, it becomes more convenient. And one of the things that we have learned, and when we look at other states and we look at Colorado, the number of um, motor vehicle fatalities involving marijuana has grown dramatically since they've done it. So here's the thing that I would like. I would like every legislator who's going to vote on this and the governor think about the time that they have to go to their constituent's funeral because someone died, and they're going through the line, and the person says to them, why did you legalize marijuana? And is the answer going to be because Massachusetts did it or because, oh, it was inevitable? From a prosecutorial standpoint, it's also very troublesome. You know, somebody's driving 25 miles an hour in a 50-mile-per-hour zone. They pull the guy over. You know, you're, you're creating a problem here on the, on the public roads. And they don't smell any alcohol, but the guy's eyes are glassy or the lady's eyes are glassy. How do you measure it? Well, because we don't have the same type of testing available like we do with breathalyzers, that's going to take a toll on the individual police departments because they're going to have to transport this person suspected of being under the influence of pot while they're driving. They're going to have to take them to the hospital. They're going to have to wait at the hospital. And then they're going to have to transport the prisoner back to the police station. All that, you know what kind of manpower we're talking about once you legalize pot? Well, the problem is whatever social costs there are, Rhode Island's going to bear them because we are, as Lisa mentioned, 20 minutes away, two-thirds of the state's population from Massachusetts. So what's going to happen is we're going to get the social costs and they're going to get the revenue if we don't legalize marijuana and enforce a system that keeps it out of the hands of kids. I think we could work with Massachusetts and other states on developing some testing, again, because Lou has a very good, and the Attorney General also, has a very good point. This is difficult for law enforcement. It's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of training. It's going to take some new initiatives. But if you think the current way we deal with marijuana is keeping it out of the hands of children or kids in high schools, then you believe in the Easter Bunny. But, you know, the other thing is the governor in an interview said it's not about the money, but they're expecting it to Always trip. about the It's money. always about the money. But the other thing is Rhode Island is so regulated in a tax in it. I've heard people in these interviews who tried to go to Northampton or... Uh, was it Lemonster, Lester? Yeah. And they said, you know what? It's easier and cheaper for me to just get it from my dealer, <laughs> right? Well, then go through the state, but then they're taxing it to death. Well, well here's the problem. The, the underground market for marijuana sales is still going to exist. Uh, just like with bookies, uh, people want to make illegal bets. The, 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 if you regulate it to death, underground marijuana is going to be cheaper. I'm not going to have to walk into a store and be identified by somebody taking a picture, as you were mentioning to me off there. Uh, so I think that the, there's going to be a problem, just like with the, with the phone uh, gambling, online gambling. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get into that topic, but these are major, major concerns. A I have. year ago, the governor had already written it into her budget, and they're talking about six and a half million this year. But Massachusetts, it took two, two and a half years to roll out. So you wonder practically whether they can start that soon. It may take uh, some time, but don't forget, the voters are way ahead of the politicians on this. I mean, voters see that they want legal marijuana. They did it by statewide in refer- In Colorado. Yeah. It was done by statewide, rep- you know, rep- rep- excuse me, a statewide uh, referendum. I'm not worried about the time frame. And so the thing is, it's been de facto legal Anyway, for certain socioeconomic groups, let's face it, they busted kids for years in South Providence, minority kids, 
throw them in jail. Have you ever seen the state cops converge on Brown or PC for a huge pot bus? No. And it, we've been putting minority kids in jail for this for years, and it's unfair. You know, one voice that I haven't heard in this um, discussion, and perhaps going forward we will hear this voice, is from our Rhode Island Department of Health. Uh, the director of health has been out there so much on tobacco-free. And substance abuse, And too, substance, right? uh, substance abuse. And I think of all the legislation that's been passed to make our beaches, you can't smoke at the beaches, you can't smoke in the parks or, or whatever. And now, if we legalize, you can be walking down Way Bossett Street and smoking a joint. You don't think people are doing that now? Well, well I not, smell it. Not, not as brazenly. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Maybe you see it, Scotty. I don't. So to be uh, to be continued. All right. We have a couple of local issues, and I do want to talk about the shutdown. So let's um, let's begin with outrageous. Mr. McKay, do you have an outrage this week? Yeah, my quick outrage. This is kind of a fun one. Actually, are all the a nays- fun outrage. It's a new category. All the naysayers uh, out there in NFL football land who said Tom Brady is washed up. Mm-hmm. Boy. I wish we all could be after watching that first half last week. Max Kellerman needs to get a new job, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> Don't you wish you were as washed up as Tom Brady? That first uh, half was like a football clinic. It was. Yeah. And if they play like that, they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure it's worth having to eat all that avocado ice cream, but I agree with you. It's nice to watch. Lisa, what do you have? Um, actually, mine is just going to touch the fe- uh, federal shutdown. Um, you know, I was sitting back and I was thinking about how do we get this impasse solved? So it's either going to come from the president moving or the members of Congress. But then when you look at both of them, they're not impacted by their pay because under the Constitution, they're getting paid no matter what. So the parties involved that can solve this are getting paid while the 800,000 federal workers are not. There you go. Lou, what do you got? Uh, it's a big story this week in Rhode Island. Uh, a woman named of, uh, Michelle Rothgeb uh, lives in Warwick, and she was permitted to adopt eight special needs children. And uh, first of all, I think that's crazy. She's a single it's woman. It's a single parent. Yeah. And, and, and number two, uh, she's had the flu for a few weeks there. And so she delegated the care of these other special needs uh, children of hers to a 15-year-old adopted, adopted child. Who had Asperger's. Who had Asperger's disease. Mm. And then this girl died. When the uh, police went there, they found feces in her bed, urine all over the place, bugs crawling on the walls. And they said it was probably the most disgusting thing they've ever seen for animals, let alone for eight special needs children. And the kicker here is is that uh, she was, uh, this Ms. Rothgeb was indicated for neglect, and notwithstanding that neglect finding, they still allowed her to adopt another child this past July who had special needs. Uh, so this is one death. And my concern is, is, first of all, there's an incentive here, kind of like being on welfare. She receives money from the state for every $4, single... $4,800 a month <coughs> in total. Yeah, and you think about that. And she allows this house to be kept in this squalid uh, manner. Uh, so I, every six months to a year, we hear about another death in DCYF care, and it seems it's been a continuous problem year after year after year. And it's outrageous. And it's going to continue because every few years we keep getting a new director. Mm. And it's an unfunded, uh, it's an unfunded program, underfunded program, number one. And number two, DCYF is largely treated, uh, according to one of my friends, like the stepchild. Uh, of the budget and the governmental uh, oversight. Let's go back to the, um, thank you for that, Lou. Let's go back to the uh, 
federal shutdown. I agree in, in principle. Donald Trump doesn't even take most of his salary anyway. Right, right. Now, some of the congressmen, you remember when some of these guys have to live in the Capitol because they can't afford both places and they're showering at the gym and all that. The guys making the decisions, Mitch McConnell and whatever, they're not worried about it. But symbolically, I think that would be. I mean, you know, uh, President Trump is either a millionaire or a billionaire, depending on whatever we're looking at. Um, Speaker Pelosi is a millionaire. Uh, Senate leader McConnell is a millionaire. So I know that. But it's just it's the irony to me that the ones who are directly involved and you get this stopped are still getting their paychecks. So Scotty, who's going to blink? It's the Republicans who are really to blame here, because if they wanted to do something about this, they could because they control the Senate and they could make a deal and reopen it. But they won't because they all fear being primaried by the Tea Party Donald Trump base. And that's the problem. There's no moderate Republicans left except for Susan Collins. You know, this is There's a- no rep- moderates left. They're all very right-wing folks. I mean, the Democrats have a few Joe Mansions and people like that is who are Mitch more Is Mitch McConnell moderate. up in the next cycle? Or <clears throat> yes, I believe he is. Okay. I don't expect well, him to we, lose. We, we know that, uh, and the videotapes are flying everywhere, uh, President Obama said we had to uh, strengthen our borders. Hillary Clinton said we had to strengthen our borders. And we're talking about $5 billion, which is a, like a thimble in the national budget. Uh, this is all because, and you, you just said, I blame the Republicans. No. The fact is the Democrats will not give President Trump a win on border security. And that is all this is about. No, it's and not. For, it That's is not all it's about. border security. Okay, it's not. They don't come in. Everybody People else take tunnels. ICE, Homeland Security. Uh, the border patrol agents themselves said that a wall would be absolutely beneficial, and they welcome it. And so what doesn't help in a negotiation is when one, one party, and this is the House Speaker, saying, absolutely not, I am not going to fund this, it's immoral. So I'm thinking, he wants it, she has put such an absolute that she doesn't, how do you negotiate that? It's very difficult, but I will tell you the funniest thing that I've seen in a very long time was Nancy Pelosi getting grounded and not being able to go to Afghanistan with her congressional uh, group. Uh, it was, I mean, one-upsmanship because the president can do that. But come on, you had to have smiled pretty wide when you, when, when you saw it. Well, and he referred to it as a public relations event. But I also think this is beginning to trickle down here. You've got people sure in, in states everywhere. And I also wonder just... Bad for the economy, let's be honest. Well, and Donald it Trump is. has been all about the economy, but I also wonder... Ultimately, how this is, I mean, maybe he figures I'm going to be a one-termer and I've got to play to my base anyway as my approval ratings drop. But you also got to think the longer this goes on, that's going to translate in the, in the, in the election, in the primaries next year, right? It depends how long it goes on and just how deep the economic problem is. It's kind of unfair, too, the way this works. If you're at the VA, you get paid. Right. Uh, for instance, you're Veterans the Administration. Guard, you don't. Yes. Uh, if you're at TSA protecting the airports, you're not getting paid. If you're a member of Congress, you're getting paid. If you're a federal judge, you're getting paid. Yeah. And the way this thing's been imposed is just unfair That's true. and inconsistent. What do the lawyers like to call it? Arbitrary and capricious? Yes. What do you what do you think's going to take it to solve? I mean, everybody's got to move a little bit, right? Right, and then that's what we're not seeing from the House side. So how do you move from absolutely not intransigent? Yeah, right. You know, and I you know I agree with with Lou that you know I heard a border patrol person say, "Isn't it great the Congress people come down, 
they look at it, and then they get back in their plane, and they, and, and they go back to their hometown, and they go back to Washington, and we're the ones dealing with, with the issue. So where the border walls have been put up, we do see less of a crossing there. Where they're not, that's where the people go. Yeah. So, you know, here is Donald Trump once again going forward with a campaign promise, sticking to it, and saying, finally, let's get this solved. You know, it, it, Obama, his signature act was the Affordable Care Act, all right, costing a gazillion dollars to the taxpayers of this country. We're talking about $5 billion, and I said it's a thimble, and you said it's not a thimble. It's a thimble. It is well, a that's thimble. the down payment to the larger. Yes, yeah, of but course. It's, you know, it's, first of all, border crossings are down. Oh, Secondly, Scotty, you know, on, as far as on, drugs on, coming on, in on. here, you know, the Sackler family did not come over the border illegally. I mean, as far as the drug stuff, it, it, people fly these things, they dig tunnels under them. People, the biggest problem here is people overstaying their visas. That's causing much larger illegal immigration problem for this country than people coming over the southern border. So you don't border. think a six, seven thousand, eight thousand member caravan coming from South America? It's not a caravan. It's a bunch of all right, mothers folks, with toddlers. Boys, you're going to take it out back afterwards because that is all the time we have. Thank you for joining us, Lisa and Lou and Scott. Always great to have you guys on. And thank you for coming back this week. Hey, if you can't catch Lively live, which we hope you do on Fridays and Sundays, you can catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and now you can listen to the po- podcast on iTunes. So many ways to take us with you. We appreciate you joining us this week and come back here next week as a lively experiment continues. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.